This is a LifeGate Church podcast. Tune in to hear from our team as we encourage you to discover the freedom and purpose that Jesus offers. If you want to find out more about who we are, visit lifegate.org.au. Well, friends, I want to take you back to 1988. Wow. Was that the bicentennial year? Bicentennial year. I was in year five at primary school. I was, uh, and, and, and one afternoon I was leaving school at the age of year, um, when I was in year five, and I noticed that next to the bin at the school, they were throwing out these cricket stumps. There's actually two sets of these cricket stumps. And I went, awesome, I'll take them. So 30 years ago, 30, yeah, 31 years ago, I picked up these cricket stumps, I took them home, and guess what? I'm still using them. The boys get them out, backyard cricket, they are great. Now, a couple of years ago, um, the uh, base here on the stump broke, and the stump wasn't working as it should. And I thought, do I throw it out? And then I went, no, no, I know who to take it to. I'll take it to my brother-in-law, Peter, across the street, who's a guru at all things, particularly metal, and he welded it back together, and they are as good as new, well, as good as they've been for the last 30 years. Don't throw out cricket stumps, they're worth keeping. Here's a question for you guys on the screen. Here it is. Where do you go to... to where do you go to when you have a problem? Who? Thank you. Who do you go to? What did I say? Not where. Who? Who do you go to when you have a problem? When you have a problem with your computer, computer, who do you go to? Yell at your answer. Andrew Lingley, Thomas. Who else do you go to? Vincent. Go to the Stephen Thompson. People go to Jess. There's someone to go to. How about if your toilet's blocked? Who do you go to? Thomas, how about if the power's not working, where do you go? Kevin, how about if your car's not working, what do you do? Who do you go to? Get a new one. How about this one? What if your tooth has got a hole in it? Where do you go? Who do you go to? Your dentist. If you want to um, borrow money to buy a house, who do you, who do you go to? Mum. Mum is, is the new bank. Friends, that's all about stuff when when we have problems, when we have breakdowns, we uh, go to people. But how about people? How about people? Where do you take people when they're struggling? Where do you take people when they've got a problem? Where do you you take people? This morning, I want to take you to three Bible passages where people take the people they care about to Jesus because they believe Jesus has the answers. The first passage I want to take, to the, take, take, to, take you to this morning is uh, Matthew chapter 9. In Matthew chapter 8, um, Jesus has just calmed the storm. He's gone into the area of the Gerasenes. He's found the people with um, the demonic, um, demonic oppression. He sends the demons into the pigs. The pig runs off the, cliff, off the cliff. Jesus gets back into the boat, goes over the other side of the lake, and we read this. Jesus stepped into a boat, crossed over, and came to his own town. Some men brought to him a paralyzed man lying on a mat. When Jesus saw their faith, he said to the man, Take heart, son, your sins are forgiven. At this, some of the teachers of the law said to themselves, This fellow is blaspheming. Knowing their thoughts, Jesus said, Why do you entertain evil thoughts in your hearts? Which is easier to say, your sins are forgiven, or to say, get up and walk. 
But I want you to know that the Son of Man has authority on earth to forgive sins. So he said to the paralyzed man, get up, take your mat and go home. Then the man got up and went home. When the crowd saw this, they were filled with awe and they praised God who had given such authority to man. I want to take you back to the, very, to, to, to the first few verses here in Matthew chapter 9. It says in verse 2 that some men brought to him, Jesus, a paralyzed man lying on a mat. It says, when Jesus saw their faith, not his faith, the guy on the mat, their faith, he said to them, take heart, son, your sins are forgiven. The reason I pulled out this passage is because in it we see people of faith, people who have faith in Jesus, knowing what Jesus could do for their friend, So they take time, they take courage, they take effort, and they bring their friend who is paralyzed to Jesus. And we know they're people of faith because Jesus says to them, when Jesus saw there, it's a word that is plural, not singular. He sees the faith of the man who had brought their friend to Jesus. He then says, your sins are forgiven. In this story, we have people of faith bringing someone who with a struggle to Jesus. The second passage I want to take you to is from Matthew chapter 15. Here, um, the context is there are great crowds who are following Jesus. It says this, Jesus left there and went along the Sea of Galilee. Then he went up on a mountainside and sat down. Great crowds came to him. Came to him. Notice the word, bringing the lame, the blind, the crippled, the mute, and many others, and laid them at his feet, and he healed them. And he healed them. The people were amazed when they saw the mute speaking, the crippled made well, the lame walking, and the blind seeing, and they praised the God of Israel. Again, the second sentence, great third sentence, great crowds came to him, bringing the lame, the blind, the crippled, the mute, and many others, and they laid them at Jesus' feet, and he healed them. Why did the crowds bring those who were struggling to Jesus? Because they had trust in Jesus. They had faith in Jesus. They had belief that Jesus could meet that person where they were at. They believed Jesus could do something amazing in their world. So they brought them to Jesus. The third passage I want to take you to this morning is from Matthew chapter 17. Jesus has just come down from the Mount of Transfiguration where we had that incredible experience where the Father speaks over him, where he's transformed into the glory that he had before he had, um, to the glory that he had before creation. Then he comes back down the mountain and he encounters this. When they, when they came to the crowd, a man approached Jesus and knelt before him. He's a father. Lord, have mercy on my son, he said. He has seizures and he's suffering greatly. He often falls into the fire or into the water. I brought him to your disciples, but they could not heal him. So now I bring him to you, Jesus. He says, Jesus says, you unbelieving and perverse generation. How long should I stay with you? How long should I put up with you? Bring the boy here to me. Jesus rebuked the demon and it came out of the boy and he was healed at that moment. We aren't told much about this father. We aren't told anything about the four men in the first story other than they had faith. 
We aren't told anything about the crowds other than they believed Jesus enough to bring their, their friends who were struggling to him. And we aren't told anything about this father either. We aren't told where he's from, his situation in life, other than he has a son who's having seizures and, he's, and, he's, and his son is in great danger due to these seizures. And so he, he, uh, this, this father knew about Jesus and he knew about what the disciples were doing as they were going around healing as well. They bring, the father brings the son to the disciples and they couldn't heal him. So the son, so the father brings the son to Jesus. He puts his trust in Jesus. He puts his faith in Jesus. Maybe it was a cry of desperation. Maybe he was at the end of his rope. Maybe this was his last hope. But he came to Jesus with enough, enough faith to say to him, Jesus, please heal my son. And that's exactly what Jesus did. Friends, in, in, in each one of these stories... We have two different types of people. The first type are the people who have faith in Jesus. We aren't told their backgrounds. We aren't told their names. We don't don't know much about them other than the fact that they had enough faith in Jesus to bring the second people, the people who need Jesus, to Jesus. The people of faith and the people who need Jesus. The people had faith, had enough faith in Jesus, had enough trust in Jesus that they believed that he could do something for their friend. And I reckon that in this world, this is a pretty good description of the types of people in this world. The people who have Jesus and have put their trust in him and the, and the those that need him. It's a great description of the world. Those who have faith in him and those who need him. Those who have faith in Jesus are those, and if you're here this morning and you become a Christian, that's you. You've been forgiven of your sin. You have eternal life. You've put your hope in God. And you've walked with God for some time. Maybe it's a day. Maybe it's a year. Maybe it's three years. Maybe it's 20 years. And as you've walked with God, you know that he's walked beside you. You know that he's met your needs. He set you free from oppression and behavior. He has transformed your life so your life looks more like Jesus. If that's you this morning, you're the first category, people who have faith in Jesus. And the second category are the ones that haven't had those things, the people that don't yet have eternal life, the people who haven't had their sins forgiven, the people who haven't walked with God, who haven't got relationship with God. And God is calling each one of us, each one of us who have faith in Jesus, to not only share what we've got with them, but to bring them, to bring them to Jesus. God is calling us, the people number one, people who have faith in Jesus, he's calling us to bring those who need him to him, just like we see in those three passages. People of faith, bringing people who need Jesus to Jesus. God is calling us to to do the same thing. Now you might be thinking, well, who are those people? Who are those people who need Jesus? Well, they are your next door neighbors. They're your family members. They're the mums and dads at school when you drop the kids off. They're your people in your workplace. People who need Jesus. When you're at university, they're the other uni students. They're the people working at Macca's, Blake. They're the people, Harvey, in the electrical field when when you're out doing jobs. They're those people. 
Karen, they're the other nurses and all the patients. They're the ones that need Jesus. Those are the IT people, Greg, the people that you work with. DJ, the, maybe not the teachers at your school. That would be very bad if I said that, wouldn't it? Principal. But some of the students, some of the students need Jesus. Yeah? The people in our world, they're the ones that need him. And God is calling you. God is calling you. Don't just, when I say you, I want you to personalize this. God is calling you, Larissa. Dino, God is calling you. Margaret, God is calling you. Mark, God is calling you. To bring them who need him. To bring them to Jesus. You know, in this world, um, and particularly in Australia, we are, we're, we're a very blessed nation. People who are struggling, you know, there's, there, are lots, there, there is lots of support for people who are struggling. Our government does welfare, which is a wonderful thing, and people say it's not enough money, and there's a good argument for that. But the fact we even have welfare compared to some countries is, is, is awesome. We have doctors, praise God for doctors, and we have psychologists, and we have physiotherapists, and we have counsellors, and we have scientists that help us understand how things work. God has given us these, these things, and, and, and people who are struggling can get access, and we, get, we all go to doctors, don't we? And there's a time to go to a counsellor, and there's a time to go to a, a psychologist, there's a time for all that for all of us. But there are some things that those people can't do for us. There's all these services, there's all these things out there, out there to help us. But there's things that these people can't do for us. Things that, that only Jesus, only Jesus can do for you. Here are some of those things. Only Jesus can give us forgiveness for sin. The scripture says that in 1 John, if we, 1 John 1 9. Um, Jackie said it, if we confess our sin... He's faithful and just and will forgive us our sin and purify us from all our unrighteousness. Friends, sin is our biggest problem. And, and if we're going to be in relationship with God, we need to get sin, sin dealt with. And no doctor and no psychologist and no friend and no specialist can deal with our sin. The only person who can deal with our sin is Jesus. That's why we need him. Only Jesus can give relationship with God. No doctor can prescribe you a relationship with God. No physio can massage your body into a relationship with God. The only way to have a relationship with God is through Jesus. For Christ also suffered once for sins, the righteous for the righteous meaning Jesus, the unrighteous being us. Why? To bring you to God. The only way to have a relationship with God is through Jesus. Friends, Jesus can only give eternal life. No one else can give you eternal life. No doctor can give you a pill to live forever. It's only through Jesus. For the wages, what we deserve for our sin is death. But the gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. It's only through Jesus that we have eternal life. Here's another one. It's only through Jesus we can have true purpose for life. You know, counselors will help us talk about where what we think is right for us. And that's good and that's, and that's helpful. But if we're going to get right down to the nuts and bolts and absolute truth about what is God's purpose for our life, friend, it's only in Christ. It says in Colossians 1.16, all things have been created through him and for him. That's Nikki Freeman's favorite verse. Who's, he, um, who's him in this, in this verse? It's Jesus. All things were created through Jesus and for Jesus. That is why we're here. We're to live a life for him. Live a life that honors him. No other person can, can, can give you that. It's only in Christ, friends. Only Jesus can give you a friend for life. You know, you might have friends. Hopefully you've got some friends. 
And friends are wonderful. And friends are supportive. But you know what? Sometimes friends go home. Sometimes friends are not available to pick up the phone. Sometimes friends aren't there when you need them. But with God, he never leaves you, nor will he forsake you. Hebrews 13.5. He is a friend that never leaves you. Friends let us down. He never will. You do not have to be lonely ever because God is with you. Friends, only Jesus can meet all your needs. Praise God for welfare. Praise God for wages. Praise God for family. But he promises to meet all your needs in Philippians. Paul's talking about his physical needs and how God has met his physical needs. Here it is. And my God will meet all your needs according to his riches that are in glory in Christ Jesus. He will meet your needs. That is his promise. You can rely on him. When the money runs out, you can rely on him. When your friends don't come through, when the government doesn't come through, you can rely on him. He can meet your need. And the final one, he's the one that can give you true freedom. Doctors, psychologists, they are wonderful. And they help us some of the way. I've been to a psychologist. Praise God for that person that helped me. I've been to doctors. We all have. And they help us part way. But it's only Jesus that can truly set us free, that can heal hearts, that can release oppression from our lives. The passage in Luke 14, Luke 4, 18, he, has sent, he was sent to proclaim freedom for the prisoners, recovery of sight for the blind, to release the oppressed. Friends, it's Jesus it's Jesus that does these things for us. It's only him that can give us relationship with God. It's only him that gives us forgiveness of sin. It's only him that gives us eternal life. Praise God for every other thing that, he, that God has given us, doctors, medicine. But those things, there are things that these people can't do, that Jesus can do. And that is why God is calling us, the people of faith, people who have experienced his love, people who have forgiveness of sin, people who know what Jesus can do, people who have trust in him, who have walked with him and went, this is the best life. It doesn't mean it's, it's perfect and we, and we still live in a fallen world and we still have broken bodies and we still have relationship bust-ups. Things still go wrong. But walking with him with purpose, knowing that we are forgiving, knowing that we are made new, knowing what he's done in our life, Gives us the life in abundance that John 10 talks about. And God is calling us who have received those things to go and look, to go and find the ones who don't have what we have and bring them. Come with me. I want to show you something. I want to introduce you to somebody. He will, he will radically change your life. He will meet your need. He will deal with the, the most difficult things in your life. The things that you can't do yourself. The things that doctors and nurses and psychologists and the things they can't do for you. He can do those things for you. So how do we bring people to Jesus? How do we bring them? How do we bring him? Can I say, say thank, you, thank you for being with me and listening so well. You just, it's just beautiful to speak to a, to a congregation where I've got your eyes and you're engaged. Um, I take this really seriously, and I thank you for your acceptance. So I don't know why I said that. It's not in my notes, but thank you for being with me. It's a real privilege to share with you. 
But I want you to talk to the people around you for a moment. And I want you to discuss just in pairs, how do we, or twos or threes, how do do we bring people to Jesus? Go for it. How do we do it? Alrighty. Alrighty, what'd you come up with? Give me your answers. I want to hear what you think. What did you come up with? We need to build a relationship with them. What else? Sharing your story. Invite. What did you say, mate? Mm. So if you're going to do relationship with people, you have to sacrifice of other things. Agreed. Ross? It's a journey, so meet them where they're at first. Great answer. Bring God into the conversation. Really good. Your lifestyle. Thank you, Joe. Yeah, live a Christian life. Answer their questions. Really good. Anyone else? One more. Be patient and tell them God's truth. Really good. Hey, I want to give you um, two things that I came up with. Ready for this? Invest and invite. We've um, talked about, a few weeks ago, we did, a, we did three, three, three messages on creating an invite culture. Yeah? As we've been talking about that, thinking about that, I think we've missed a piece. <laughs> and it's around the invest piece. Because if you're going to invite, you need to firstly invest, meaning to build relationship, to build time, build credibility, to build trust, in order for you to invite someone to something. They've got to trust you. And the way to build trust into, is to invest into the relationship. So I think it's important that we have invest and invite together if we're going to bring people to Jesus. And when we think about investing, we often think finance, and we think I'm going to invest in shares or property or this with the idea that we put a bit of money in, and over time we get a, a, a good return on investment. Or if we invest in our kids or our family or relationships, same sort of thing. You invest in the relationship so that there is a good outcome, that your kids grow up doing the right thing as you invest in that relationship. But it's also true with investing in people who are unchurched, people who don't yet know Jesus. If we want the investment takes time. And just like as we invest money, it takes time for that money to mature, in investing in relationship takes time. And it takes time to get to know people, to build, to build credibility, to build trust, so that when you invite them, they're much more likely to say yes because they trust you and they have a relationship with you. One of my uh, goals for this year on the Courageous Cards was to invite my whole street to Alpha. And I've shared this story. We, we are finished on Thursday night. I uh, want to tell you how we went. So we started out, um, I gave him two months' notice and a month's notice and a week's notice, and I gave him flyers and the whole bit, and I invited most of the people in my street, the ones I have a relationship with, to my house for Alpha. And on the first night, I've shared this already, that we had invited all these people and four families didn't come who said they were coming. Four said, yeah, I can come, and they didn't come, and I was bummed. I was really like, this sucks, sucks, God, what's going on? I prayed, I asked, you want me to do this, what's going on? I was like... Getting cranky. I think he handled it pretty well, um, as he does. Hey, as he does. And then, but I, but I continued. And 
And, and last, last Thursday was our final night. And, and where we ended up at, on the last night was two people. We had Michelle and I and my kids. And then Harvey came. Praise God for Harvey. And Voltaire came from our church as well. And then we had two other ladies. We had a Catholic lady who lives next door. And, and next door to her is an um, Egyptian Orthodox lady as well. During the time, we had a, uh, an, an unsaved lady who lives across the street. She came once and had a wonderful time, she said, but didn't come back. And, and lots of people said that, it, that they wanted to come but didn't come. And, and in hindsight, I think when I invited the people to come to Alpha in my home, and, and lots of them said yes, they said yes because it was polite. They said yes because it was the nice thing to say. Where I think I went wrong, and this is the learning, is I hadn't, I hadn't invested enough time in those relationships to invite them to Alpha. See, the relationships I had with them was that I invited them to my house for three Christmases in a row. We get the street, my house, street Christmas party. We'd uh, done it three times, and then conversations as I saw people walking up and down the street, walking to the shops, cutting their grass, you know, doing that sort of stuff, connections. But I hadn't had the individual families in my home for a meal, or I hadn't spent enough investment with those people so that when I invited I didn't have the trust and the credibility that I could have had if I spent more time with those people. My, my, my learning, I originally called it my fail. So I was talking to my mentor about it this week. He goes, I failed Alpha because I didn't do this. He goes, Nathan, that's not a failure. That's learning. You learn some things. Celebrate that. And I went, yeah, you're right. It's like we can learn from this. It's not a failure to learn. And so my learning is to invest more. Now, there was someone else I invited, not from my street. He's one of the dads from soccer. Um, and I've invested in his life a number of times. I've shared Jesus with him. We've had a number of conversations. And I invited him. And he couldn't come because of his wife was at work or he was at work or kids. He just couldn't come. And he kept apologizing to me. Nathan, I'm sorry. Every Wednesday night at soccer training, Nathan, sorry I couldn't come. I had this, I had this, and I had this on. But, Nathan, let's do coffee because I, uh, I uh, want to hear more about it. That's what he said, because of the investment that I made in his life. I was uh, talking to him about it another day, and he said, Nathan, are you trying to convert me? <laughs> now, how do you answer that? If someone says to you, are you trying to convert me, how do you answer that? Oh, that's interesting. <laughs> what are you going to say, Con? That's the answer I gave him. Con, say that big voice till, till everybody stand up. That was a beautiful answer. Stand up. I love this answer. Turn around. I said, I absolutely am going to try and convert you. Because if I didn't try to convert you, my faith, it's, it's fake. Because if, if it's true what I believe and, 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 and eternity is only given through Jesus, if I'm not trying to convert you, I don't really believe what I believe. So I'm absolutely trying to convert you. And then he had a giggle. But we're still going to meet. We're still going to meet. We need to in, in, invest in the relationships, and so I'm going to do Alpha again in my home, Term One, 2020. And over the next six months, I'm going to spend time investing in relationships, build credibility, build trust. They can come and, and be part of it because I want them to come to know Jesus. The second part of this is the invite piece. We've invested. We've built credibility. Then we need to invite them into environments where they can meet Jesus. Now, you can do things like Donna did by having a games night at your house. That is brilliant. And at the games night in the house, you're not preaching. 
You're not showing an alpha video. They're just simply hanging out with other Christians who live differently, who talk differently, who have different, priori- who have different priorities, and they have attractive lives. You look at Greg and Donna Moore, you go, wow, they're awesome. They've got great kids, great life, great couple, great, great marriage. It's very attractive, I think. Would you agree? Yep. Very attractive. And you go, I want, I want some of that. I want some of that. And the people that are unsaved, they go looking for meaning in life, looking for purpose. They're dealing with, they've still got this baggage of unforgiveness and carrying this stuff. They go, they got something that I like. So get them in environments where there's other Christians and have fun, enjoy, eat, eat together, smile, um, do stuff together that, that connects with people and shine the light of Jesus. But then also invite them to places where they're going to hear the message of Jesus. One of the things we're doing this year, and Mark talked about it around the picnic, is that we're not going to preach at the picnic, but we're going to create an awesome environment for people to have fun and for people to connect with other Christians. And if you meet people, then by all means, invite them to church, invite them to life group, invite them to our next event. As a church, we are deliberately setting up environments where you can invite. We want this Sunday service to be a place where you can invite. We want your life group, as Donna invited a friend, your life group to be a place where you can invite. We're going to run at the end of the year, DJ. DJ's got the master plan. We're going to run concerts here leading up to Christmas. We're going to call it, I don't know, maybe the LifeGate Christmas Spectacular, right? Maybe. I don't know what we're going to call it. And we, I don't know. We're going to call it something good. And we're going to have Stu the Chef, and we're going to do kids, a kids thing, and we're going to invite people in, and we're going to be here as a church. We're going to meet them. We're going to connect. It's another thing to invite people to, a place where they're going to hear the message of Jesus. That's how you can bring people to Jesus, by get them in a place where he's spoken about, where he's loved, where people are passionate about him. Invite them into a place where they, where they can meet him. I uh, told you before that I know that many of you struggle to share your faith in Jesus. Many of you struggle to speak um, your story. Many of you struggle to share the gospel. And when we look at the survey results at the AGM, some of those results around sharing faith were a bit surprising for me. And we need to do some, we need to do some work on that as a church. And, and, and it led me to a place where I thought to myself, well, if, if people aren't great at it, well, maybe we create an environment where they can invite people because everyone invites. We invite people to birthday parties, to weddings, to functions. Everyone invites. So maybe I can encourage the church to, to invite them to an event where, where, where Jesus is shared. Invite them here. And I'll, I'll, I love to tell the people about Jesus. So get them in front of me and I'll share Jesus with them. I can create that environment. And I was talking to my mentor about it as well this week. And he said this to me. He said, Nathan, I used to think evangelism, evangelism was, was a one-on-one thing. But now I've worked out that it's, a team, that it's a team event. What do you mean by that? Well, we're in a team together, Christians, wanting to see people who don't yet know him come to know him. So how about we, we do it together? That together we put on events so that Jesus can be preached. That together we can put Christians in our home so they can be attracted to Jesus. Let's, let's, let's be a team and don't think reaching your friend in, the, in your workplace, reaching your family member for Jesus, is not, it's not just your responsibility, it's our responsibility. Support each other, encourage each other, do stuff together and invite them into those environments. Let's create environments where we can invite. One last story, then I'm going to finish with something a little bit funny. You might laugh at me. But let me share one last story. Angela had her baby dedication here a few weeks ago. The place was packed. She invited like 30 people or 40 people or something. 
Well done, Angie. Yeah, really good. And the message of Jesus was presented. And people came back to my house for morning tea, some of the people that were invited. And Stephen's um, dad's friend was there. And I met him at the front door. I was walking past him at the front door. And he goes, oh, I wanted to speak to you. Okay. Because I didn't see him after the service first. I wanted to speak to you. I said, oh, yeah, nice to meet you. I met him and stuff. What's your name? I go, what did you want to say? And he goes, I am not a religious person. He said, I'm as, I'm, I'm as religious as a turtle or a tortoise. Anyway, that's what he said. But, but let me tell you, to, today, now I can't, can't remember the exact words. This is what I heard. Today was, today was really good. I could understand it. I, I could relate to it. And, and, and it was a good experience for me. And I think to myself, that's the sort of Sunday service that I want to create. That an unbeliever can come and go, yep, I, I, I understood it. It was a good experience. He didn't believe everything we talked about. He didn't believe, but that's okay. Yeah, get them to belong before they believe. He came and he said, that, that was a good experience for me. And I'm going, that's a win. Let's continue to create environments where we can invite. Here we go. So, if we're going to invite someone, sorry, yes, if we're going to invite people, if we're going to bring people to Jesus, we firstly need to invest into their lives and then invite them to Jesus. Watch my feet. Watch my feet. Watch my feet. Ready for this? You need to step towards them. That's the investment piece. And once, you, once, you've, once you've invested in that relationship, you then take them sideways and you invite them to an event. Like Ross said, you meet them where they're at. You step towards them. You invest, you build credibility, you build trust. Once you've got that, you then invite them to the next event. You like that, everyone? Maddie, do you reckon you can help me out here in a second? I would wonder, I wonder who, would, who would like to join me in investing and inviting? Who would like to say, you know what? I want to bring people to Jesus, and as a result, I want to invest, and I want to invite. Who would like to join me this morning? Catherine, come on down. Did you see that? Donna Moore, come on down. Anybody else would like to um, join me in investing and inviting this morning? Come on, Con. Come up here. Come and join me on the platform. All right, that, that's enough. We have our... Um, we have our um, now, this is to help you remember it, all right? This is all about reinforcing. You know, remember when I did yo, 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 watch next step. Remember that thing? Everyone remembers it? Well, well we're, this is the way of remembering it, right? And so if you'd like to do it where you're at, please stand up. If, if you'd like to invest with us... And we are going to do a bit of a, um, a uh, Pentecostal two-step. Are you ready for this? <laughs> Matthew, go for it. So the- Here we go. Stretch out. Okay, we move, move, move forward. We're going to invest. Are we ready? We're going to invest, invite. Invest, invite. Invest, we fall off the stage. And back we go again. Here we go. We're going to invest, invite. Invest, invite. We need to invest, then invite. And then one more time, we're going to invest, invite. Invest, invite. Invest, invite. And that's enough. Turn it off. Enough. Get off. All right. That was enough. Now, 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 all I want you to remember from that, remember that time Nathan put the disco music on, he looked like an idiot with Kath and Donna and Con. Remember that thing? The reason we did that is because I want you to remember those, those two words. What are the words? Invest, 
invite. Thanks for joining us on the LifeGate Church Podcast. Our church is a place to discover the freedom and purpose that Jesus offers.